Hi, I'm Mark Everest, and welcome to the Human Maintenance Podcast. Here with my colleague and partner, Mr. Graham Hetrick. Good afternoon, Graham. How you? I always say, "How you feeling?" And how you doing? How you feeling? Oh, I, tired. tired. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a long day, but yeah, early day. Uh, it, it was a really good day. Very interesting day. All my days are interesting because they're never the same. And that gets back to the topic we talked about the first time. Other than the fact that you and I live such different lives. And that was the conclusion that the most powerful thing we can do is have gratitude. And that that has come from all great thinkers. It doesn't matter which one of the religions it's in. When they're talking about living a better life and changing your attitude, the first thing you start out with to clear your mind is gratitude. And it's really hard right now for people to focus on gratitude because we're so covered with negativity oh, in, in, in the world and what we see on TV and, and you know, we're here to inspire people. Human maintenance, you got to crack through all that stuff because that, that'll bring you down. Well, you can't be motivated if you're wallowing in fear. Exactly. And uh, you, you at a very young age uh, saw one of your best friends die of cancer. That's correct. And yeah. it wasn't fear that he was he was living he was living a create a courageous life. Oh yeah, so that's a great introduction to the this podcast this segment because we're going to talk about motivation. One of the his name was Ed Lunny. He was one of my greatest inspirations in my life. Uh, he was my childhood friend. He was closer to me, my own brother. We grew up together. We met each other in elementary school, and um, he was in my wedding. And then um, I got married young. And then he, he then he got cancer uh, when he was in the first quarter of life, and then he, he didn't make it. Yep. Back then, they didn't have the... But he taught me a lot. But he taught me at a young age uh, that while you're here, you try till you die. And he was not afraid of death. And he's 19 years old. And he's not going to live. I mean, that, that was devastating to all of us that loved him and his family, it, it, it actually wrecked some of the family members. But not to him. Not to him. He was, he was really is interesting because he was, good he with was looking at the gift, life. Yep. He said, man, I had 19 years of what you can't believe. Yeah, I, he, I was alive. He, he did, and he, and he was a real spirit, I mean, super spiritual guy. He, he just never worried about himself. As much as he suffered, and trust me, he suffered with cancer, he was in so much pain, like on a scale of one to 10, it was 10, you know, 10. Uh, you can't go 10 plus, 10 is the highest. So 10 every day of pain. And he was so grateful for the life that he had. Uh, I would call him if I couldn't see him physically in the hospital every day, I would at least call him on the phone. And the first thing I would always ask him, Graham, I said, how are you doing today, Ed? And then he would say the same answer every time. He goes, well, how are you doing? I said, why do you always ask me how I'm doing? I'm not the one that has cancer and I'm dying. Right. He goes, don't worry about me. I know where I'm going. He said, I'll tell you what, I want you to do me a favor. There's a gentleman in the, in the room next to me that's really been struggling. Can you pray for him? I huh. said, are you serious? Where does this wisdom come from at this young age? At 19. At yeah, 19. That is pretty amazing. And he was actually... He was actually um, Mentoring clergymen from all different denominations were hearing about Ed Lunny and what a spiritual soul this gentleman was. I mean, he he was he he was gifted. He was a, and he was an incredible athlete. You know, he had a he had a scholarship as a pole voter. He was a great wrestler. He, academically, he was smart. 
he had all the goods. Wow. And then all of a sudden, boom, struck with cancer one day, out of the blue, healthy guy. You scratch your head and say, okay, well, why did that happen? Well, Ed knew why it happened because he was he was a chosen one, but he had a different level of faith that some people just don't can't comprehend. But he taught me a lot, and um, he was a real inspiration. And one of my other inspirations was Charlie Tremendous Jones, a great yeah, who we both knew. We both knew great motivational speaker. So since we're talking about motivation, you can't even jumpstart your maintenance on your stuff until you get self motivated. Now, you know, as a speaker, you know, I, I traveled the country and I would be classified, even though I'm a sports medicine guy by trade, my talks were more along the lines of tying that into getting people motivated so they can start delivering some human maintenance. And it's hard to motivate somebody. Have you ever tried to motivate somebody, Graham? Why, well, I, I often say to other people, the only person you can change is yourself. That's it. And it's not really true. But you can't dictate other people's behavior because they first want to do it to change. If they want to change, they can change if they have the right tools. And that's why we're sitting here right now. So in this segment of the toolbox with human maintenance, we want to get a little take a deeper dive into the motivational side because it's um, a lot of people. There's a lot of self-help books on motivation, a lot of great speakers, a lot of folks can get people motivated. The challenge that I see with motivation, how do you sustain self-motivation? How do you sustain it? The first thing I'm curious about, and we talked a little bit about it uh, in, in the last episode, I'm wondering of those who took the advice and started thinking about gratitude and all the gifts they have rather than the torturous problems and fears and just start with, I got up today. It's a nice day. I had that good thing happen at work. And looking at the glass full rather than half empty, it adds more value to the life. So if you have a more valuable thing, it's like, I, I think it was I think it was George Bush, President Bush once said, nobody, nobody wants to wax a rented car. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And that, that's really a true point in many ways. If you don't own it or you can't value it, you don't take care of it. Yeah. And that's what the problem is today. We don't really see the body and the fact that we are a conscious being, most likely going to extend well beyond this body into another consciousness. And yet we don't realize what a gift that is. And if we start realizing what a gift it is, say, well, I better take care of the gift. You know, that's a, that's a very good viewpoint, Graham. You take care of the gift. Yeah. But not everybody looks at themselves as a gift. And with your career, if people viewed themselves as a gift, you probably wouldn't have much of a business going with people with the suicides and the, oh. and the horrible things that you witnessed. Oh, right now, everything you just mentioned, suicides, homicides. Elevated. And really just uh, congenitive uh, or degenerative diseases. They're all going up because of fear and shut-ins and all the other traumas that are going on. The change. Uh, it's interesting. I say a Chinese saying, but <laughs> since the virus came from China, but uh, all change is chaos. Yeah. And chaos creates fear. And that's what we have to get over. And we have to say, hey, there's challenges here, but wow. Can we do things better in the future? I think we can. 
I think we can get a whole lot better. And I think it uh, comes down to the reality of um, people just not taking themselves for granted and taking care of themselves. And that's, that's one of the, the things that we all have the capability of doing. And that's why we're doing human maintenance is to get people in this direction to pay attention to the most valuable asset themselves and to be, and they have to be grateful for the things that they have. And so many people aren't right now and they get caught up in uh, everything around them and then they're not letting themselves, they're not taking care of themselves. I think we have to look at really almost all the gifts we have in life. You know, the body is one of those gifts, but within this body is what uh, uh, Carl Jung said is psychic energy. He didn't want to say spirit because he didn't. As a psychiatrist, he had to stay very secular and not say, well, spiritual things. Right, know? right, right. But the bottom line is, we should evaluate that gift of the body just like we have the gift of relationships, the gift of being able to be creative in one way or another. We should seek to create things and do positive things. Uh, what I see on an autopsy table sometimes are astounding. And many of the tattoos tell the story. It's a really interesting what people write on their what people write on their own body. So it's fascinating. And there are many people tortured today because number one, they don't understand it's a gift. And number two, they don't see other things in life as a gift. I woke up today in the United States of America. I'm well fed. I have a home. I have a family, and each one of those are, are gifts. And when you start knocking off these gifts and, and realize that you don't really deserve any of them, you can just have them and then say, wow. You, and I don't care what you call it. You can call it Krishna, God, whatever, you, the universe, the great creator, the big tree. I don't care. <laughs> but at this point, just realize that there's nothing you did to become you but you are you and you're here and you have so many potentials. And if you, if you realize that, then you want to open the toolbox and say, wow, how can I make the gift better? That's right. And you know, with what we're talking about here, it's, it's so valuable to yourself. I remember when I worked in a hospital, one of the areas I was spending some time is was the ICU. In an ICU, the intensive care unit, which uh, most of you are probably familiar with, you see people take their last breath, almost like what you see oh, in yeah. the corner. And, you know, how sad Well, if they is. breathe in a morgue, I'm out of there. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. No. And, but w when you're with that patient uh, at the tail end of life, uh, and I'm also a hospice volunteer, and I've learned a lot working with hospice, you know, this is when life gets really... Uh, interesting uh, towards the tail end. See, we don't want to think about that sometimes, but you know, we're, we have so many years to live here and we'll be getting into some of that content with the game plan philosophy. So I think today with motivation, since we're focused on this, I've learned over the years, you know, as a speaker and some of the great mentors I've had in my career that, you know, there's common denominators to get probably everybody motivated like money. You know, if you didn't get a paycheck, would you go back to work? You know, I, I talked to my audiences, what's your number one motivator? And it's interesting, I had a truck driver say, it's coffee. <laughs> my number one motivator is coffee. Uh, and it, 
you have to take a deep dive within yourself and say, what is, what is your internal motivators? What are they? And I think you go back to the gratitude list. You should keep focusing back on that because those are the things that should keep you motivated. Sure. And maybe that's your family. Maybe that's your job. Whatever it is to you, that's what you want to focus on. And so when I, when I give these talks about motivation, I, I learn from people. I've learned over the years, and you know, Charlie Tremendous Jones, his slogan was, you know, only... He was one of the most motivated people. Oh, right? my gosh. I, was, I, I often wonder, is that all a show? Or he, when he goes to bed that night, is he still laughing and happy? I mean... <laughs> I never met anybody guy. like him. He was he was the greatest inspiration in my life. When yeah, my friend spent a lot of time with him. So. Oh, I spent years with him. He was my mentor. When, yep. I, when, when I was losing my best friend, Ed, to cancer... That's when I was introduced to Charlie Jones at the same time. And I was in the front row of his seminar huh. and he had me so inspired. And I read his books, Life is Tremendous and all his other great books. And he was a colleague with Zig Ziglar. And these were the two greatest motivational speakers on the planet back in the day. Yeah. And I was in, so inspired by Charlie. Uh, I wanted to get to know him. Now, I live in uh, central Pennsylvania um, outside of Hershey. And I it was in a, a seminar was in Lancaster not too far. And here I'm thinking Charlie Jones lives in New York City or California. He's bigger than life. Here I learned he lives right here in Central PA. So I asked the conference coordinator and he was picking on me in the seminar. Back then you can kind of beat your audience up if you want physically. He was a very physical, funny, motivational speaker. And um, I wanted to get his phone number to reach out to him because I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be like him. I said, where's Charlie Jones live? I said, well, he's local. I said, really? He's a mechanicsburg. So if you know <laughs> Pennsylvania, you might know a mechanicsburg. I, so I got his business card, and I was nervous as heck, Graham. I'll never forget it. I, I'm going to call him up and just see if I can get a hold of him. I call up his office one day thinking I'm going to get some secretary. And I, I said, oh, this is Mark Everson. I'm looking for Charlie Tremendous Jones. And here was Charlie to pick the phone up. Because you got the tremendous one right here. How can I help you? <laughs> I mean, his enthusiasm was through the roof. I said, Charlie, I was in your audience a couple of weeks ago, and I'm so inspired. I want to get to know you. He said, well, come over to my house tomorrow. And Amazing. I did. And the rest was history. I was selling books in the back of the room for him. I was so blessed. Talk about gratitude to have him in my life. And I was with him up to the tail end of his life, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, what a great mentor. But he, he taught me a lot. Um, and now you're great friends with his daughter, Tracy. Tracy took over the company. She's yeah. phenomenal. She's like a female version of Charlie Tremendous. She's <laughs> Tracy Tremendous Jones. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the motivation is so interesting because I see so many people get motivated by some of the craziest things. You know, when you see these addicts out there, are they motivated to keep using? Yes, both chemically and emotionally. But what happens is, they're looking for something outside of their body to make them happy rather than inside of their body. Here's an interesting fact. The maker of dopamine, which is what the opioids affect, your dopamine receptors, God was the one that made dopamine. <laughs> yes, he was. So that creates the balance. As soon as a woman, as soon as a woman has the egg implanted, the dopamine receptors start to be more and more sensitive. So the the mother, who's a much better nurturer, you and I have both taken care of kids, oh, we're we fathers, 
they're the much better nurturer. And part of that is this, this great dopamine response from the inside, but it's balanced and it's created from your thinking, your acting and your emotions. Once you're unhappy and you say, I can't take this and I'm going to alter my happiness from the outside. Well, it can be alcohol, it can be drugs, it can be money, it can be pornography, it can be all these things that make you forget that gratefulness because you're seeking something outside of yourself rather than being grateful inside, realizing the gift and saying, I'm a creator. I can create a better life for me than I'm living now. Once you do that, and I'm doing a, I'm doing a documentary right now on addiction, and what we're finding in the filming is with everybody from the street bum to physicians that got hooked, and you know how that is. That there's more Horrible. than more than right. one of those. Right. And and each time I say, what was the biggest thing that changed you? And they said, gratefulness and service to others. Isn't that amazing? Two simple ingredients, but yet tough to deliver to yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to work on it. You got to work on it. Because I, I think we get so hung on our problems in life that we don't always, we lose focus of the good things. Right. And I think the times we're living in right now, like I give an example, I was I was doing a segment on my radio show. Again, we're getting 1.2 to 1.5 million tuned in. So we got a lot of questions coming in. I did a segment on, um, you know, how you handling the tough times right now. What are you doing to get rid of your stress and your anxiety? And I had a caller call and he said, Mark, my stress and anxiety is through the roof. It's worse than it's ever been. I mean, I'm having more panic attacks. I'm just struggling at her every day. And I'm like, well, what are you doing while you're out there on the road? You know, what, what are you what are you listening to? And you're going to know what I'm going to say. He said, well, I'm dialing. Talk radio? The news. The news, yeah. Yeah, news. I listen to the news the whole time in my truck, stay in tune with what's going on. I said, well, turn it off. You know, you get hung up on it. You know what's going to happen. I mean, it, I don't hear anything positive uh, on the you news. You notice nobody on any of these shows say, here's all these things that are happening. Cities are burning down. You can't touch each other. If your wife's in the hospital, you can't see her. All, all this stuff. And we talk about all that, this stuff. Very few people are having in-depth conversations about how the struggle. There's no healing without tears. Right. We're in the tear part. But the healing part is going to come when we say, how can this change us to the better? There are people out there that are, that are actually working out more and taking care of their body because of they, they know the comorbidities make them a better candidate for getting injured by COVID. On the other hand, there's other people sitting in their house depressed and eating Twinkies and they're not doing any good for the body and making more bad things more likely to happen to them. Yeah, you know, some folks are handling it in uh, very negative ways. More drinking going on. Alcohol consumption is up. Drug Suicide's abuse is up. up. Suicide's up. Drug use. So, you know, we're not here to change the world. We're here to help one person at a time. And if you take some content that we're delivering today and a couple of these nuggets and apply it to your life, you can actually have a better life. And when I wrote the game plan book, it was about self-competition. Uh, you know, I was very competitive in athletics. And when you're out of competitive sport, what do you have left to compete with? You. 
And you think about how hard is it to compete with yourself? How hard is it just to change the way that we think? You know, changing somebody's thinking is very difficult. I, I use this illustration in my live talks. I'll say, okay, how many of you are married? And uh, majority of the audiences, most of the hands go up. How many of you ever try to change your spouse? <laughs> Put your hand up. Every hand goes in the air. And I, mostly the men, I'll say, did it work? They said, absolutely not. Did your wife change you? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, Graham, have you ever tried to change Ezzy? No, I gave up on that. I think second or third date. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't change anyway. So let's get back to the motivation. So let's think about some of the common motivators. Number one is we go to we go to a job to collect a paycheck. Uh, that's an easy motivator. Uh, if you're independently wealthy, that might not be your motivation, but for most people it is. I think some other things that get us motivated is um, satisfaction, your goals. Uh, there's all different kinds of items that could get us motivated. Uh, maybe it's material things. You want to purchase something, so you're going to make. But I think what we should look at it when we look at motivation, take a deep dive within ourselves is look at yourself five years from today and don't change anything. Same old stuff, different day. Back to work, complacent with life, and I'm not doing anything different. What's that picture look like? Are you more fit in five years? Is your attitude better in five years? You know, how are you feeling? It doesn't sound like life. It sounds like a chronic disease you got to live through. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, so I use that illustration of visualization a lot to get people motivated. Visualize yourself. Now, if you're already on the course, you're living the, the, a great life, then you do, we're just here to support you because you're already doing it. But if you're in the category of, you know, I need a little bit of help. And my audience, as you know, the truck drivers uh, on the radio show, of all the industries I work in, they need more help than most. Physically and mentally, from a uh, social standpoint, family standpoint, and everything else, that is a tough job. It's a very difficult job. And uh, I'd like to share a story as we wrap up our segment here on motivation. Uh, one of these that gets me motivated. I got motivated by a truck driver many, many years ago. And um, uh, a company, big company, asked me to go out and experience the, the, the toughest ride in the United States for a truck driver out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is one of the trucking hubs in the Northeast. And this guy had to drive from um, Carlisle into Manhattan, drop a load, and come back every day, five, six days a week. Now, if you've ever driven in Manhattan in a vehicle, uh, stressful drive, let alone a tractor trailer, 18 wheeler. And I took this driver, this driver, he's a South Carolina boy, and he was the most experienced driver, clean safety record. And we get in the truck, I get in the cockpit with him. First time I ever sat in the front seat, you know, actually going on a drive. Traffic's building into Manhattan. We're going across the GW Bridge. I mean, I was like all stressed out of my mind. I'm not even driving, Graham. I'm just sitting observing. This guy maneuvered that truck through the city, man, perfectly. Never hit anything. I got a little nervous. Thought he was going to hit a couple of bike riders. In the I future. can't even imagine. I couldn't imagine. So after about I don't know, it was like ten plus hours on the road. We got back to the terminal that day. I'm like, wow. First of all, I, I commend you. That's why I in, created the Road Athlete, uh, sure. which is my radio show now. I said, you know what, my friend, you are not a truck driver. You're a road athlete. <laughs> He goes, no, Mark, I'm just a trucker. I said, no, you're not, my friend. 
I said, you brought us back safe. I got nervous several times on that drive that something was going to go wrong. You never fumbled the ball once. So you got us back safe and sound. But I, I had asked a question because I couldn't do it. I said, how do you handle the stress of this drive every day in a tractor trailer? With all the elements of the weather and the pedestrians and just the traffic. How do you deal with it? I'll never forget what he said, Graham. He said, well, Mark, let me tell you. Every day is the worst day of my life. But there's a silver lining here. He said, if I come back alive and they pay me what they're paying me, I'm the highest paid driver in the company to do this run. There's an important lesson there. It sort of reminds me of uh, a Buddhist exercise. When when you say, every day is the worst day of my life. But the Buddhists will always say, if you're doing a task and you don't like it, it doesn't matter. What matters if you do it with excellence. Yeah. So the seeking of excellence, and maybe that's a good concept to leave this podcast with. We, we talked about being grateful, being grateful for this life. Not everybody can have the job they want. They might try to get to it. But whatever you're doing, whether it's washing the dishes, uh, fixing the car, mopping the floor, whatever it is, Martin Luther King said this. I think it was written from Birmingham prison. He talked about if you're going to be a chimney sweep, be the best chimney sweep that ever existed. No, no, street sweeper. That was it. If you if you want to be a street sweeper, be the best sweet street sweeper that ever existed. Boy, is that a tongue tire? Yeah, so but that's great to square. read. So they really looked that up. Martin Luther King and the in the street sweeper. And that's inspiring for everybody because everybody won't get the job that they want. Everybody won't have family relationships that are just as smooth as they can be. Sickness, health, all this, you know. So the thing is, just be the best as you can be at each job you do. Yeah, and that's what I learned from this gentleman who was one of the seasoned drivers. He said, look, Mark, he said, my daddy was a truck driver, my granddaddy. My older brother. And that interest. And he the said, family. product of the environment. He said, I'm a truck driver. That's what cool. I do. But he, what he said to me that day, he says, you know what? I'm really good at it. <laughs> See? I'm really Excellence. good at it. Excellent. Excellent. I said, my friend, you're beyond good. You are a true road athlete. <laughs> Every day's a game day out there. So it just out of, as a takeaway here today, Graham, to get people inspired and motivated, a little bit of homework. Take a deep dive within yourself. Look within your soul. Look within your mind. Look within your family and all your dynamics in life. Focus on what you're grateful for. We talked about that. We're hitting that again. And it starts by looking at the big picture. You're motivated to take care of all these other things in your life, such as your assets that you purchased. Let's get motivated to take take care of the one thing that you own that's yours. It's you. For the rest of your life. So in these two podcasts, casts, we're really talking about understanding that you have gifts. And number two, take care of that gift with excellence. Exactly. That's it. So like we say here, don't wait until you break. It's a personal wake-up call. You can get more information. Go to our website at www.humanmaintenance.com and get more information. And you'll be seeing more great content and see some of our upcoming episodes. You take good care. Stay safe. Until next episode, Graham, don't wait until you break. Don't wait till you break and fear not.